Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we look at just four verses, Mark 8, verses 27 through 30. Maybe you've taken on a large project before that you know is going to take many months or even two to three years, and you know the importance of milestones called progress reports so that you can assess how you're doing in pursuing the project goals. Well, I've seen this passage as a progress report of Jesus's ministry. As Jesus and the disciples continue to spread the gospel, Jesus turns to his disciples and springs the big question on them. He's been doing miracles that can only be done with divine authority and power. He's been teaching the people and the disciples with the kind of wisdom and authority never heard before on earth. So what was the impact? What's the progress toward the goal? Jesus summarized this with a single question. Who do people say that I am? Now, Jesus knew the misunderstanding of people was no indication of any kind of failure of his impact, but this was an opportunity also for the disciples to answer the same question. And as much as we hear about Peter's humiliation throughout Scripture, he nailed it at this moment. But Jesus gave credit to another. How does that work? If you know your Bible, you probably already know the answer, but it's always good to remind ourselves here is today's slice of the message entitled, Who Do People Say That I Am? Come with me, please, to Mark chapter 8, where our venue for this morning is just a brief passage, verses 27 through 30. You've been hearing me say for weeks and weeks that at this point in Jesus' ministry, having completed that extended time in the region of Galilee, he has been working now, focusing on the, 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 the 12 disciples and the other disciples, in addition to the 12 who were the apostles, who were um, his main focus, and he's building in to them. He's been trying to get away from the crowds. It hasn't been easy, but at last, by the chapter before us this morning, he's done it. It's now about a year before the cross. He has a lot to teach them, to prepare them for their ministry as apostles. And the flow of the book of Mark kind of reaches its pinnacle in this chapter. Think of the getting on the, the roller coaster and you, you go up that first hill and you, you can't see anything but the sky, and then you go over the top, and from there on, gravity takes you for the rest of the wild ride. Well, We've climbed, if you will, to the pinnacle. Everything in the book of Mark builds up to this, point, to, to this point, and then everything from here in the book of Mark flows from this. This is the one time that, or the first time in the book of Mark, that any man will have proclaimed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. God said it at His baptism Demons have said it several times, but Mark saves this for the pinnacle. Now, this is not a text full of commands. As a matter of fact, there are no commands to us in our text this morning. But what is here 
is bedrock truth, and you must understand this. This is a momentous conversation that Jesus has with His disciples. We'll title it from the words of Jesus, Who Do People Say That I Am? And just these four verses. Verse 27, do you understand the question? Verse 28, do you understand the answers? And then verse, verses 29 and 30, do you understand the answer? So verse 27 is where we put in for this morning. Jesus went out along with His disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, He questioned His disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? Now, the, the geographical note helps you understand what Jesus did and the lengths He went to to be alone with the disciples. Caesarea Philippi is in the mountains about 25 miles to the north of where Jesus had spent more than a year and a half centering His ministry from Capernaum and ranging out throughout Galilee. By going there, He, he got Himself and His men out of, way, out of the way of the influence of Herod Antipas, who had it in for Him, and the leaders of the Jews as well. He took them to this place that was originally known as Paneus. It was named after the Greek god Pan. He was one of those mortal deities, if you will, according to a Greek mythology. Pan apparently was born in a nearby cave. Not long ago, I posted a now famous picture on Facebook with Marcia and me standing in front of that cave. You can actually go to that spot where, where the mythology says Pan was born, but false gods were worshipped there for some time, and it is, uh, it is in that setting, a, a place known for idolatry, that this fantastic declaration of the identity of Jesus was spoken. Now, Caesar Augustus gave that area to Herod the Great. Try to keep your Herods straight. Herod the Great was the first one. He was the one that died right after Jesus was born. He's the one who tried to exterminate all the the baby boys in and around Bethlehem. Uh, Herod Antipas was one of his four sons that inherited pieces of his little uh, mini-empire. Well, Herod the Great built a temple there to honor the emperor. That's how it came to be called Caesarea after Caesar, Caesar Augustus. Then Herod's son, Philip the Tetrarch, that means governor of a fourth of the kingdom, Philip the Tetrarch inherited the land as part of his portion of the empire, and Philip humbly added the name Philippi to it, so it became Caesarea Philippi instead of Paneus. And by calling it Caesarea Philippi, that distinguishes it from the other Caesarea mentioned in the New Testament, Caesarea Maritima on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea from where Paul sailed when he uh, headed for Rome, when he appealed his case uh, to Rome. So Caesarea Maritima on the Mediterranean, Caesarea Philippi up in the mountains to the north. Now, you notice that it says that Jesus questioned them um, on the way. 
And if you compare Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we know that Jesus asked this question all along the way before they arrived in Caesarea Philippi, and it says while they were passing through the villages of the district of Caesarea Philippi. So uh, we know that he was having this ongoing discussion. Uh, We also know that Jesus spent some time praying alone before he gave his men this oral final exam. And right here, even in Mark, the word questioned is in the imperfect tense, meaning it was an ongoing questioning. It wasn't just a a one-time pop quiz. Maybe as they traveled, maybe he moved around from man to man and went through all 12 of them, one at a time. Uh, Maybe he spoke to them in smaller groups, a few at a time. Maybe he brought it up casually on several occasions. Maybe as they would leave one village, maybe he would say, well, who do the people there say that I am? This was an ongoing discussion that he had. Now, I'd like you to take a moment and turn that question over in your mind. You can make some observations from this. Uh, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? One observation is, understand, he didn't need to ask that question in order to gain information. Uh, He he didn't have to think it through. He was omniscient. He knew the answers. So the next observation is that this question was for the benefit of the disciples. They needed to think through what they were hearing compared to what Jesus was teaching them. And it's written here for you and me in our Bibles to learn something from this interaction between Jesus and the disciples. You're meant to think through these different answers and the implications of them. Another observation is to realize Jesus was not concerned with the ideas of people who rejected Him. He already knew that. He already knew what the position of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was. Everything he does is by the power of Satan. He wasn't talking about that. And we've we've talked about that quite a bit already in our studies. But another observation is that this question, therefore, zeroes in on those who had had some kind of a positive reaction to Jesus. So he's not talking about the rejectors. He's talking about the ones who have the almost right answer or the partially right answer. And there are people around today, probably some that you know personally, who, who don't reject Jesus Christ. They don't say that He never lived or there's no such person or anything like that, but they also don't know exactly who He is. It's important that you learn to deal not only with the ones who openly reject Christ. I mean, what's your message to an atheist? You're a sinner. Christ died for your sins. Come to Him. Repent. I mean, everybody needs the gospel. But what about those who say positive things about Him, but short of knowing who He really is? In our world today, remember I've shared with you several pieces of that survey of the state of theology in America? And a whole lot of people today who profess to be 
evangelicals or born-again Christians have a woefully inadequate Christology. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.